Hey there, podcast listeners. Sarah Box here. A funny thing happened on my way to recording this week's podcast, and that is that my guest who was scheduled canceled at the last moment. And rather than allow myself to skip a week, replay a previous podcast, or make some other excuse, I decided to hold my feet to the fire as I would any client, say there are no labels, no limits, and there's no excuses, Sarah, get it done. So instead of having an interview of someone else, I'm going to actually interview myself. There are a series of questions I'm going to ask, so I'll switch hats, I'll ask myself a question, then I'll pause switch roles and answer the question. And I hope that at the end of this interview, I will have been able to share with you some insights and things that might help you along your journey as well. So stay tuned and let's dive in. Well, thanks for joining us, Sarah. The first question I want to ask you is one that we ask of all of our podcast guests. Can you share with us a time that you faced a change or a challenge that you didn't feel prepared to make? How did you move forward in spite of worry or doubt? You know, I've had to make changes a number of times in my life, and I'd like to say that it was always something I was confident about. But usually I know it's time to make a change because I just don't feel right. For instance, I must have been 18 or 19. I had a good job. For that age, I had a good job. I'd been moving up in this firm in a management role. But there was a part of me that felt so disconnected because it required that I move to a town that I had no connection to, didn't care about growing a community in. And I just felt that I was working for money, but I was dying inside, if that makes any sense to folks. And so I took a weekend. I went to visit my sister And while I was visiting her, I found a job and I went back and told my bosses that I was leaving and they were really gracious about it. And I gave gave enough notice and I moved. But honestly, the piece of me that knew it was time to make a change was that part that told me I wasn't living who I was. That happened in other positions, not only just employment positions, but in relationships, in choosing a career path, different types of things, volunteer work, where I usually check in with my gut. When I've had trouble the most is when my gut has told me one thing and I've ignored it. The other question you asked was, did I have a plan? You know, like, did I actually plan out all the steps or or did I just go full in? And I would say that it's a little bit of both. I have a short-term plan, typically always. So I knew that before I could just jump, I had to have a little bit of savings. And certainly I didn't have what I needed to have, but I had enough that made me feel safe psychologically and was able in that first instance to move rather quickly. But I did push ahead quite a bit on faith and belief in myself because up to that point in my life, the things that I had wanted to do, I had done. Um, Even as a young person, you know, I I tell a story about a time when we were kids and our family was not well off. So some of my best friends, because I lived in a somewhat rural area, had horses and I had always wanted to have a horse. So I remember going to my mom and saying, can I have a horse? And the upshot of it was, we can't afford one. So I came back and 
and thought about it for a while and went back to him and said, well, if I could afford it, because what I heard was we can't afford it. I said, if I could afford to buy my own horse, could I have a horse then? Now, my parents, being older and wiser than I was, also knew that it wasn't the cost of the horse. It was the monthly upkeep that was going to be expensive. So they negotiated a further deal and said that I had to pay my own vet bills. They would pay the board, um, which was at that time incredibly affordable but I would have to pay for shoeing and vet bills and that I had to take care of the horse. And I actually think they thought I would never accomplish it, you know, because I'm 13 at the time, 12, 13. I'm not old enough to work. But the girlfriend who had a horse, her family were connected to the saddle maker in town, and she told me he was looking for help. Now, we were underage, but he just needed some bodies to, you know, bottle saddle soap for him. So she and I... um went down and talked to him and just said, you know, can we work for you? And he was kind of this crusty old guy. We had to get our parents' permission first because, you know, we're in school, we're underage, which we got our permission and then went back to him and he said, okay, do you want me to pay you by the hour or by the piece? And that was a pretty good question because neither one of us had held jobs, obviously, but we looked at each other and we figured out that we worked pretty fast And we would rather be paid by the piece, which in that case was how fast can you bottle 12 bottles, put them in a box, seal the box, and and coat it so that he knew who to label and ship it to. We figured we could be a lot faster piecemeal doing that than getting paid by the hour. And it turned out we were right. But it didn't take all that long for us to be able to earn some money. And within a fairly short period of time, I was able to to buy the horse. So over my life, there have been a number of things like that where I just set out to do something and I don't know how long it will take me to do it, but I just set out and my confidence was pretty high. I've also set out to do things that didn't work out quite as well. But I think being able to know that um, I've had success has helped me to you know move forward when I had doubt as well. What I also know signs it's time to make a change is that same inner sense, and some people would say it's a cognitive dissonance with how you're living, with your values. It always goes off as an alarm bell for me. I know that I'm not being true to who I want to be or should be. Um, I may not be showing up the way I want to show up with family or friends or in the workplace even. I tend to try and look at ways to fix myself But then I call that staying too long at the party sometimes. You know, I work a little harder, I get a little smarter, but sometimes it's just time to go. So more recently, that happened for me. I decided more than a year ago that I needed to change. I needed to shift my relationship and become external rather than internal to the company. Partly because I didn't think any longer being internal was the best use of me and that it also inhibited growth of other people there. However, being external, I could continue to contribute and help the community that the company serves. So as of July 1, I will officially be a strategic partner rather than a partner external to the firm. The other thing that that opened up for me was the ability to spend more time working with my executive coaching clients, the folks that want me to work with them one-on-one, not necessarily about their organization or community issues, but help them grow as leaders. This podcast also was an opportunity for me to grow and stretch as well. 
I will tell you that even though I've had those wake-up calls where my gut is saying one thing and I'm, I'm listening and acting on it or I'm listening and rationalizing why no change is needed so that I can stay comfortable and predictable, the most recent time, though, that I got that gut check for me was really two or three, maybe two or three years ago, and I'd finally, we'd taken a little vacation. We have a a motor home and we took it over to the coast and we were just hanging out there for a few days had the had our dogs with us so we were just kind of sitting but I had my work with me I had my laptop with me and I was on deadline to get documents out I thought I was doing a great job sleeping getting up before my husband so we could have some time together to you know rest and relax But when we got home, I got the hard truth because I asked him, I said, did you enjoy your weekend? And he said, not really. And he turned to me and he said, you know, frankly, no, I didn't have a good time. You were really stressed out. You were focused entirely on work. And it would have been better had we not gone. And in that one moment, I realized that while I was living up to the commitments I had made to my company and to my clients, I was letting down the commitments I had made to myself and my family. And that was a huge turning point for me. That's when it actually clicked for me and I had to admit I needed to make a new change. I wasn't sure what that would look like. Was that leaving? I didn't know. But it was one of those wake up moments for me. As to how do you know when you're on the right path, I don't actually know the answer to that. Other than that, I feel congruent with myself. I wake up, I feel energetic and excited. I feel um, like I'm bringing my best self. And so when I can answer those things and say I'm taking care of myself, I have the time to prepare meals that are healthy, I'm having time to exercise, to connect with friends, and obviously time to be with my family and take time for my own renewal, those are all signs for me that I'm on the right path. It's always a juggling act to some degree, but I feel the best more often when I know that I'm I'm being true to what I need to be doing. Well, it sounds, Sarah, like you had to deal with obstacles and limiting beliefs. Pesky voices, um, oftentimes People will say, you know, I worry that I'm a failure or a fraud or whatever. Um, What do you do when that happens to you? That's a great question. I don't really worry in the middle of the night that, um, that I'm failing so much as I think about things that I need to do the next day. So I worry about what's left undone, who do I need to follow up with, those kind of things where you get running really fast. And that typically, I don't go through periods of that unless I'm under extreme stress. Normally, I feel pretty balanced. So what I've learned to do for myself, if, I'm, if I really can't go back to sleep, I actually just distract myself. I'll put a book on tape and listen to that only if it's positive or affirming. Again, I have to go back to that place of knowing that I'm doing the best that I can in every moment. And if I fail or if it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. You know, my mom used to tell me, it actually annoyed me a little bit, but she would tell me when I felt disappointed or I wanted something to go a certain way or somebody to do a certain thing, she'd say, you know, there's always another bus coming along. I lived in a rural area. There wasn't a bus every 10 minutes, but she had lived in the city, and for her that meant something. And it 
ended up meaning a lot for me too. It helped me remember to not get fixated on the bus that I thought I needed to be on, but just to know that I'm moving forward. I won't tell you that I don't have inner dialogue. I'm Most often it's in the middle of the day when someone wants me to do something and I know that I can't or should not do it because it means I'm not attending to something else and so I have to decline and I know that it disappoints somebody. That's really hard for me to deal with. In all honesty, it is. I like to say yes. I like to be the person who's there and can help solve things and help support people through things, but I can't always do it. And I've learned to just live with the discomfort. It only lasts a few seconds and then just get back to what I was doing. But it's an, it's ongoing. You know, I think there's this fallacy that once you reach a certain place, those things don't cycle back. They always do. Because you're at a new challenge or a new thing will come, it may raise just doubts you don't know enough or how are you going to do that. For me, I just do the best I can. Say thank you for your concern. Now I've got work to do and then get back at it. Talking about getting back at it, can you tell us or share with us what the most challenging part of your day-to-day life is? And how are you able to stay on task and complete all of your goals when you find you're tugged in so many different directions? Another way of asking that question is, what do you think your number one ingredient for success is? That's a really good question. Um, The most challenging part of my day-to-day life, I think, is that it is not predictable, per se. When you have a number of different projects you're working on, time can shift, something can happen with a client on their end that they have no control over and then there's a need to respond to it and adjust and calendaring and all those kinds of things. What I really try to do is be clear about what are my goals, what's essential, what must I do. And I've done a few um, tools lately, just, you know, tried a few things to see is it as big a deal because I like to be available to folks, but I've realized for me to be able to respond and provide really good service and be of service to people, I need to do the work, which means I need time to think and do that work. So I go offline and I have used some you know, automated tools that say I'm paused, I'm not available. I will do autoresponders, you know, really simple, simple things. And then I train myself that I actually don't look. And when I first started not responding to everything, whether it was texts or phone calls or emails, my adrenaline went up a little bit. I was worried that I would be letting people down or something would come up that I needed to handle right away. And the truth is, nothing did. You know, there's really very little that can't wait. Exception to that is some sort of an emergency. Folks who need to reach me for an emergency have my phone number, a direct line, which I will always look to see if I need to answer it. And they typically have my husband's number and he always answers. We can be reached if there's a true emergency. But I have really good tools. I I plan beyond a week. I rarely think only a week ahead. Even for fun and vacation kinds of things, I'm thinking about what needs to happen so I can take care of little things as we go. One of my favorite books is The One Thing, and I think I mentioned this before, but I try to ask myself, especially when I'm tired or just thinking I'm at a dead end on something until I hear back from somebody else or get a new piece of information What is one thing I could do? Because there's always one thing I could do in that moment to advance something. And I try to do it because if I do that, it's it's off my to-do list, if you will, which means it's out of my brain. It's not taking up mental space. I check it off and then I'm ready 
to move forward. I'm also really, when you ask me like, what is an ingredient for success? I'm pretty fearless about learning and trying new things. So I I really like to think, how can we help each other better, more meaningfully than we're doing right now? And that may sometimes include working differently through technology or reading things. But whatever it is, I think my ability to learn and connect with people is probably one of my strengths. So Sarah, if you were to have a rearview mirror held up to you right now, What tips or encouragement would you offer the younger version of yourself about the road ahead? You know, what would you say um, to Sarah, who's 17 or 18, that might ease or clear the path for her going forward? I love that question, because the thing is, I'm not sure I would change anything, because if I changed anything, I wouldn't have the life I have today. And frankly, I really love my life. That said, The one thing I might offer her is to not take everything so serious and that many things will be out of her control. Just show up, do your best, put in all of your effort, and never stop learning and growing. Well, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I'm always looking for advice or guidance or tips. This is one of the... um, most fun things for me, which is actually one of the reasons I started the podcast, because I think we have so much to learn from one another that I'm just amazed every day somebody will say something and it's like a little bell goes ding, ding, ding. I'm going lesson for the day. And that could be from anybody. You know, recently I was going through um, the checkout stand at the grocery store and the cashier said something, you know, very offhanded, very casual, but it was kind of powerful. And and I can't remember what it was, but it was something about just changing perspective on something that someone had just said. And then more recently, a gal I train with was telling me about a lesson she learned from a 14-year-old boy who was her client. Someone came over who was extremely rude. They were in a gym setting and was really rude to, to all of them because this woman felt that they had taken her machine and she hadn't been around. She comes over and is literally just throwing her weight around saying, you know, how terrible it is and on and on. And this young man just said, well, obviously someone didn't wake up with a smile this morning. My trainer said, I learned so much from that young man in that moment because I was all ready to defend, you know, our space, my clients, And it wasn't necessary. And he turned after she stormed away and basically said, I'm not sure what's going on with her, but I'm positive it's not about me. So those kind of life lessons are all all around us. And I started No Labels, No Limits so we could learn from one another. And one of the upcoming episodes, I'm actually going to go back through and pull some highlights from all of the folks who we've had on so far and just share some of those life lessons. Well, as we wrap this podcast, let me ask you two last questions. One is, is there a book or some resource that you love that really helps you live a no labels, no limits life? And then the last question, I'll just ask them together, is how can folks get in touch with you? What's the best way to find you and learn learn more about what's going on with you? 
There are many books and resources. In fact, I look at the side of my bed and it's stacked with books that I read. Some of them are business books or research on neuroscience. Others are process books. And I'm now waiting. Um, Just recently, a friend of mine said she had two of the books that I'm wanting to read that are novels. So I'm going to get those this weekend. And then in addition to those, I have a Kindle, which is loaded with books that I take with me. And of course, my audio books, which is a whole other stack of books. So I love books. I love learning and reading. And I love learning from other people. So I'm going to shift it a little bit and, and say that the types of books I like are books that um, help me think differently, challenge my assumptions. In some cases, they validate my path, if you will, because it can feel different when you're not running with the herd and feel like maybe you aren't going in the right direction. So I, I do like to learn from folks who either have gone down the path ahead of me and turn back and say, keep coming, or can say, detour, take a detour. This isn't for you, Sarah Box. You need, you know, you have a different path. But I've been reflecting recently on a couple of movies. Um, Both of them are older movies. I love both of them. One is Field of Dreams, and I've watched that movie many times. The other is The Legend of Bagger Vance. Now, I've watched that movie a couple of times, but recently purchased the audiobook. Maybe it's been a year or so ago. And I've listened to that um, multiple times already. The richness of the audiobook is incredible, and it's actually unabridged, so you get the whole story of The Legend of Bagger Vance. Those seem like different kind of movies from what you were just talking about, about the types of books you read. Not really. When I think about Field of Dreams, I mean, there were many things that I really liked about it. First of all, my first car that I bought myself was a Volkswagen van, 1966, used van, bought it from a firefighter in Berkeley, California. I love the characters in the movie. I love baseball. Love the fact that someone who heard something or felt something in their intuition just followed it regardless of what people said and really felt you know the personal triumph so towards the end of the movie there's a conversation that takes place when shoeless joe jackson comes back from the cornfield and he asks hey you know do you want to come with us and ray kinsella who is and Ray Kinsella, played by Kevin Costner, do you mean I can come with you? And Shoeless Joe Jackson looks at him and he says, no, not you, not you. And you know, he's just crestfallen. You know, he looks confused, not him, who? And he, Shoeless Joe Jackson looks at the other character, Terrence Mann, and says him. And Kinsella is totally surprised by that. So you can see that Terrence Mann is really excited about the opportunity. His eyes light up, but he says, what's out there? And Shoeless Joe just says, come find out. And there's just something about trusting, you know, that's kind of scary what's out there. Come find out. Go see what could be ahead for you, you know, what's in the unknown, the unexplored. So I love that part of it. I also love that Kinsella's wife, Annie, was a big champion for him and really supported him and, and trusted even though it was difficult and he seemed kind of crazy, trusted him. And in the end, you know, what he thought would happen did happen when he trusted himself. The other movie um, that I mentioned, The Legend of Bagger Vance, also has a number of places in it that 
really resonated with me. There is a quote, and I'm not sure if it's in the movie or if it's in the book, but it it really talks about how our authentic self, our swing, if you will. So it's a it's about golf and the analogy or the metaphor is a golf game. There's the character Bagger Vance is saying, you know, like the statue of David, our authentic swing, you know, that part of us already exists within us, just concealed with stone. This other character says then that our task as golfers, according to that thought, is to just to chip away at the stone, at the inauthentic part of ourselves. And I do think that that's a really great metaphor is to to keep chipping away at the layers or the inauthentic parts of ourselves so that we can really be our full selves and go on our journeys. And in terms of the best place for people to get a hold of me, listed down below will be links to my website. There's a there's actually a really cool function on there if you have a question or a comment either on the podcast or any of the blogs that we do. You can just leave a voice text and I get that through email. There's a form to fill out if you're interested in knowing more about Coach. I mean, there's a number of ways to reach out to me, but more more than anything, I just hope folks take to heart that you never know what difference you may make in somebody else's life. So to try every day, if the one gift you can give someone is just a smile, your smile that might make their day lighter, just do it. It is free and easy, and the bonus is it makes you feel better as well. So Sarah, yes, Sarah, thanks for having me on the podcast, and I look forward to talking with our next guest next week. We'll talk to you soon. So that's it for this week's episode. If you liked what you heard, please hop on over to iTunes or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. This helps us get the word out to more people just like you who want to live a no-labels, no-limits life. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.